0: Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and I'm so glad you're joining me today because we are in part two of the Church. Of Pergamum. What a fascinating study this church is. The history that is behind it, um, not only the scripture, uh, the interpretation of what Christ says, but also the history that we know. If you didn't hear part one, make sure you go back and make sure you catch part one of the Church of Pergamum. Well, today we are going to see what Christ says to the church. You know, it amazes me Christ isn't afraid to say hard and difficult things. Sometimes in our relationships, uh, we shy back from having hard conversations, from saying difficult things to the people that we love or the people we work with. Well, Christ is a great model to us here, and he's not afraid to say hard things To the church that he loves well we're going to examine that today and we're going to see what christ says to those who overcome to those who conquer i hope you enjoy part two today of our sermon on the church of pergamum prophet of the old testament this man was so bizarre Balaam was a prophet for hire. Anyone could hire him, good or bad, for God or against God. Anyone could hire him. He was for hire. And again, it's personal gain, taking the things of God for personal gain. And one day, the enemy of Israel, the Moabites, the king of Moab, Balak, he hired Balaam to speak a curse against the children of Israel. See, what Balaam understood is the power of words. What we don't understand in our current church age is the power of our words. How did God create the world? He spoke it into existence. Who are we created in the image of? God Almighty. And that's why the Bible teaches in Proverbs that the power of life and death are in the what? In the tongue, the words that you say, are they have enormous weight and enormous ramifications. That's why when it says the power of life and death are in the tongue, it says you'll eat of the fruit of it. Whether that's good or bad, what you say is what you'll end up eating. An old proverb says, uh, I can't remember, maybe a Spanish proverb. It's really good. It says, be careful the things you say. Make sure... No, no, I'm sorry. It goes like this. Make sure your words are soft and sweet, for you may have to eat them. That's good advice. And Scripture says, you will eat of the fruit of your words. So Balaam understood this. And so Balaam would bless or he would curse, depending on who hired him. Well, the king of Moab, Balak, hired him to curse the people of Israel. God, in his sovereignty... (laughs) God in his power would not allow it. When Balaam went to curse the people of Israel, God so overcome the man's tongue and intellect, do you know what came out? Blessings! So the king of Moab gets mad. And he ups the ante and he pays him more. And Balaam goes to curse the people of God. And again, blessing comes out, not cursing. And so here we learn... The doctor and a Balaam. Balaam goes to the king of Moab, Balak, and this is what he tells him, King, I can't curse them. But if you can't curse them, here's what you do: you corrupt them. And this prophet, who is for hire, he tells the king of Moab, Take your most beautiful women and bring them before the sons of Israel, and they'll take the bait. And sure enough. That's exactly what happened. And Balaam told Balak, if you'll do this, God himself will curse them if they go into idolatry. And sure enough, they married the women of Moab and went into idolatry and lost the blessings of God. Friends, the way of Balaam, the error of Balaam, The teachings of Balaam, the doctrine of Balaam. That's what the New Testament, multiple references refer to all of this. What it is, is where Satan cannot curse the church, he'll corrupt her. And that's the teaching of Balaam. And see, look what Jesus said to the church. You've held fast to my name. You've not denied my faith. You've had martyrs among the church. You are steadfast. But what happened? Satan, even at Satan's throne, even in the place where Satan dwelled, Satan could not curse the church. So what did he do? He corrupted her. I think you'll find it as interesting as I do. The word Pergamum, Is where we get our English words, bigamy and polygamy. What is bigamy? It's when you're married to another person and then you marry another person at the same time. What is polygamy? To have multiple wives. Pergamum is where we get our English words, bigamy and polygamy. What the church of Pergamum represents is the church marrying the world the way of Balaam it's the error of Balaam now note the next verse not only is there the way of Balaam putting a stumbling block before the sons of Israel teaching them idol, idolatry and practicing sexual immorality now watch this oh fascinating watch this he says and some of you hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans now what was that Just follow me for a second, and then I'm going to try to connect all these dots. Scholars believe that the Nicolaitans come from one of the seven deacons of the early church mentioned in Acts. One of the seven, you know, the most predominant was Stephen, who was stoned and martyred. But one of the seven deacons was named Nicholas. And scholars believe that Nicholas went way off in the weeds and went off into error and false doctrine and created this cult called The Nicolaitans. And you remember Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, I hate the works of the Nicolaitans. Do you know what the name the Nicolaitans mean? Now, don't miss this. Follow me closely. The name Nicolaitans literally means to divide the laity. To conquer the laity. Now, where does this fit in history? I am soundly convinced you can think what you want. You're free to interpret this how you feel, but I don't think anyone can deny that we live in the era of the Laodicean church. I think very few would deny that. I think when you match up history, you see the church of Ephesus in the early church, you see the church of Smyrna under the Roman persecution from about 100 AD to... 300 AD. But let me give you just a little bit of knowledge here. In 312 AD, have you ever heard of the Roman emperor named Constantine? Constantine was about to fight a battle. Now remember, it's illegal in the Roman Empire to be a Christian, fiercely persecuted. He told the church of Smyrna, you'll endure ten days of persecution. Ten waves came upon the church. But under the emperor Constantine, he had a dream where they were about to go to battle. And he had this dream of a cross. And he somehow convinced himself that if he would put a cross on every shield, that God would be pleased with that. And if he became a Christian... That God would supernaturally win the battle. Well, sure enough, they put a cross on every shield. And sure enough, they won the battle. And Constantine completely flipped the Roman Empire. He went from where it was illegal to be a Christian. To it was illegal not to be a Christian. Now, remember what Pergamum means. Polygamy. Bigamy. Bigamy. Remember what Christ is saying to his church. You've gone after the way of Balaam. Personal gain. Remember what he said. The Nicolaitans. The conquering of the laity. Creating a hierarchy to where you have bishops and cardinals and priests. And then the congregation. Conquering the laity. Dividing the laity. And under Constantine came the Roman Catholic Church. Now, I realize that Catholicism today is not what Catholicism was back then. And I realize that there are many, probably listening, who are Catholic. And I want to be careful in what I say here because there are, I believe, good and born-again Catholics. However, I have serious, serious Uh, issues with the doctrine of the Catholic Church. And if any of you grew up Catholic, if any of you now consider yourself Catholic, and you would like to have a conversation with me on what I believe are the fallacies of the Roman Catholic Church, I would love to speak with you. I'd love to talk to you one-on-one and share from my heart what I see in Scripture. But understand this time period. This time period went from 312 A.D., The 606 AD. And I believe, and and really, really even extends into the 1500s under Martin Luther. And when you begin to read about the men like William Tyndale and Martin Luther and John Wycliffe and John Huss and John Knox and Erlwick Zwingli and John Calvin and... So many mighty, mighty men. See, what you have to understand, what you cannot... And I think even even, even good Catholics recognize this. What what you have to understand about this time period is that the Word of God was completely locked up. It was illegal for you to own a Bible if you were not a priest. And the only Bibles that were uh, available were written in Latin. And only priests could learn Latin. And so do you see what Jesus meant by the Nicolaitans? The conquering, the dividing of priest and church member? Friends, that's not biblical. It is not biblical at all that you would have to go to a man to confess your sins. It is not biblical that you would have to go to a mediator. That you would have to go to a a, a priest or a bishop or a preacher or any other flesh To commune with God. It's not biblical. The Bible teaches that you. Through the blood of Christ. Have access to the throne of God. That you may go boldly before his throne. And obtain grace and help in your time of need. Friends many of this error. Many of this teaching comes out of this church period. Out of what Jesus calls the church of Pergamum. Bigamy. Polygamy, it is the church marrying the world. A church historian aptly said, and I think this was quite fascinating. He said of Constantine, in that day, in 312 A.D., Constantine offered his gold to the church, and the church eagerly swallowed the bait. Whew. And that's what we see in, this, in these terms, the error of Balaam. The way of the Nicolaitans. Now, watch how he finishes. Now, this, this is precious scripture to me because we realize that not everyone in the church is going to repent. Not everyone in the church is going to follow Christ. So, here's what he says in verse 17. Well, I'm sorry, I missed a verse. He, he then is going to say in 16, he's going to say, Repent, therefore. Or I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword out of my mouth. What a warning. Again, Jesus is not afraid to say hard things to his people. And now look how he ends verse 17. He says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers... (laughs) I love that because whether anybody else follows Jesus, I'm going to follow Jesus. Whether this whole church age turns their back on the Lord, I'm not going to. I'm going to follow Jesus all the way. It doesn't matter how you live, I'm going to keep myself pure. It doesn't matter how you go. Listen, I'm going to keep myself for Christ because that great marriage supper of the Lamb is soon to come. Amen? And only those who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Only those who have no spots and no wrinkles due to the blood of Jesus Christ. Only they are going to be the ones who conquer. So I don't know where your spiritual life is. You may be completely out of church a year from today. But let me tell you, I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to join you. I'm going to stay close to Jesus. I'm going to be one of the ones who overcome in Jesus' name. So he says, to the one who conquers, I will give him some of the hidden manna. I don't have time to go into all of that depth because you got to go way back to the Old Testament. The children of Israel, when they had nothing, they had the sweet provision of God. Manna means angel's bread. (laughs) Scripture says it has a sweet taste to it. I've often thought, I wonder if in heaven the Lord will let me taste a honey teddy gram, and then manna. I don't know. I just picture, I picture, like for people like us, I just picture there'll be little manna stations where we can go taste it. But see, there's so much Old Testament truth steeped into this. You know, in the Ark of the Covenant, they had a golden bowl with manna hidden. This is where all this stems from. And I think what Jesus is saying to his church you'll always have provision. Always, I'm going to take care of you. But this is where I end. And, and watch this. I think this is fascinating. Jesus says to the one who conquers, he'll be given hidden manna, but he'll also be given a white stone with a new name written on it, a name that no one knows except the one who receives it. What does Jesus mean by this? This is my view. This is my interpretation. There are other views, but this is the one that I think is most accurate. In the ancient days that the Bible was written, do you know how that they would be judged, especially in the Greek culture? Do you know how, uh, so take like, for example, Mars Hill in that area, the Acropolis. you know how they were judged? You would stand trial before several judges and they would hear your case. And each judge had two stones. And after they had heard your case, they would walk by and they had an urn and they would put their stone in the urn. And each judge had a black stone, and each judge had a white stone. And black meant that you were condemned, white meant you were acquitted. And then they would count the stones, and if you add more white than you did black, then you are acquitted of all charges. <laughs> and you know what I believe Jesus is saying to his church? is that the majority of the church may go the way of Balaam. The majority of the church may go into error. The majority of the church may not stay faithful to Christ. But if you stay faithful, if you overcome, you'll be given a precious white stone of acquittal. Amen? That's what I think Jesus is saying. And I think one day when you and I stand before Jesus, I think along with those golden crowns, along with those five crowns of scriptures and those evergreen crowns, I think along with that, I think the Lord Jesus Christ will give us a white stone saying, you overcame the wicked one. You overcame sin. You overcame the world. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want that white stone for all of eternity. I want that new name written on it that is personal. It's written only to me because I kept the faith and I never denied the Lord Jesus Christ with my lifestyle. So I think the question today, what the Spirit's saying to the church today, I think what the Holy Spirit's asking us today is, are you pure? Are you a pure Christian? Is your heart pure? Is your life pure? Have your robes been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Or are you living in bigamy? Are you living in polygamy? To where you're married to the world. And there's as much worldliness in you as there is Christianity in you. Friends, it will not hold on judgment day. Christ will say, depart from me. For I never knew you. Would you be given a white stone of acquittal? Will the Lord Jesus receive you? Will you make it the business today to get prepared for your final day and the day that you'll stand before the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't know your life. I don't live with you. I don't know your heart. I don't know your spiritual condition. But Jesus does because he walks among his church. And Jesus knows exactly who you are. He knows those of you who are fake and He knows the ones of you who are genuine. He knows the ones who are playing church and playing religion and the ones who hold fast to His name. Jesus knows. Today, if the Spirit of God is convicting you, then guess what? You're hearing. (laughs) You're hearing what the Spirit would say to His churches. Why don't you respond? Why don't you submit? Why don't you repent? And why don't you say, Jesus, no longer am I going to be married to the world. I'm going to walk away from worldly things. And I'm going to follow you with my whole heart. Let's all stand today. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Will you respond to the Holy Spirit today? Maybe there are things in your life that ought not be there. And you know they shouldn't be there. Why don't you come today? Lay it at the altar. And don't take it home with you. Perhaps there are loved ones in your life who you know, you know they're not following Jesus right now. They may seem religious. They may be good people. But they're apart from Jesus Christ. Why don't you come pray for them? Why don't you come lay them at the altar? Some of you have children who you need to lay at the altar. Some of you have grandchildren, great-grandchildren. You need to lay them on the altar. Some of you need to repent yourself or you need to pray repentance for those who you most love. Why don't you come and do business with God right now? Why don't you come and and lay it at the altar? Those of you who are watching online, those of you who are listening, you're listening online. And the Spirit of God's convicting you right where you are, no matter where you are. Why don't you bow your head say, Jesus, receive me. Forgive me. Come and cleanse my life. No longer am I going to accept worldliness. No longer am I going to walk according to the course of this world. No longer am I going to follow the God of this world, Satan. But I'm going to be pure for Jesus Christ. My friend, Satan cannot curse you, but he can corrupt you. Why don't you pray today that there'll be no corruption in your life. No mixing of the world. No mixing of the world. No mixing. Friends, the world will sink its hooks into your children faster than you can turn around. The world will hook them. Don't allow worldliness into your home. Don't allow it. Don't allow it. Some of you need to repent for the worldliness that you've allowed. Some of you need to set your children down and say, children, no longer are we going to allow this in our home. It's worldly. And teach your children. Teach them to repent. Teach them what God loves. Teach them what God hates. You say, oh, Chad, now God doesn't hate things. Read your Bible. He hates things. The workers of iniquity. He hates the works of the Nicolaitans. Teach your children what God loves. What God cherishes. Teach them what he hates. So that one day on that great judgment day. God will not say to your precious children. Depart from me. Oh God help us to teach our children. Help us Lord. In this day that worldliness creeps into the church. In this day that worldliness pipes into our homes. In this day that is so worldly, Lord God, protect us. Keep us. Keep us, Lord God. Preserve us. Preserve our faith. Help us to endure. We know Satan is... Working overtime. We know that he knows. These are the last days. Make us wise Lord God. Cause us to be serious in our faith. Cause us to walk with God. At a different level with which we've ever walked. Cause us to pray. Deeper and more increasingly. Than we've ever prayed. Bring us seriousness to our faith that we've never had. Thank you for joining us today. You're listening to Awakened Radio.